Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode 49, Food Safety Behaviors, like you have never talked about them before. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, my friends. Dr. P in the house coming to you from Plano, Texas for episode 49 of the podcast. And I am super excited to be here because I am at Mastermind with the Life Coach School, which is like one of the coaching programs that I'm part of. It's the coaching program that I certified as coach through. And I'm here with a whole bunch of other coaches. And it's completely crazy because... I, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded by people who do like life coaching and weight coaching and, and that sort of thing. And I'm like one of the only people that does corporate coaching because of course I coach people, um, and businesses in food safety. So I have this like, like everything else in my life, I'm totally different than everybody else. And I have really committed to, as we call it, letting your freak flag fly. And so I'm totally excited because, I am. Um, I get to tell all of these people about the fun, cool work that I do with corporations to make food safe. And they're like, wow, you use coaching in food safety? And the answer is totally yes. <laughs> Actually, everything that we talk about and all of the things I'm going to cover on today's podcast come from this idea that transformation is possible. But it's the coaching industry that tells us transformation is possible, right? So any of any of the people that you can think of that use coaching, and like most people think of sports people, People use coaching to make transformation possible, to access the stuff from within to make, um, to make the changes that they're looking to make in their lives, in their bodies, in the, in, in the world. And here we just use the coaching to access the transformation to build the businesses that we were meant to build. So the first thing that I want to ask all of you podcast listeners is if you would go and rate the podcast on whatever it is that you uh, listen to the podcast on, giving us a rating and leaving us a review. Um, and a, like a five-star review would be amazing. Um, I'd love it if you left a five-star review. I'd love it if you recommended the podcast to somebody because that sort of stuff really helps us in the algorithms. And the higher we get in the algorithms, you know, when somebody, when somebody types in on iTunes food business um, and we come up, we get another listener. And, and, and that happens when the algorithms show that, like, people are listening to the podcast. So that would be super amazing. So anyway, I'm totally excited to be here today because I've had this crazy amazing week. I have actually been away from home and my delightful children um, since Wednesday of last week. And I have been traveling around doing second party audits for an investment group. And it's been really, really amazing. And I have been able to put my proofing box uh, methodology to the test as a method of evaluating culture in companies. And it has worked beautifully. I am so proud of the report that I wrote. And I have just been, it's like totally transformed my business and, and the way I'm thinking about things has absolutely transformed my own business and I'm so excited 
to bring all of those, all of that work uh, to you guys. And, and we're, we are, you're probably going to notice over the, um, over the next year of the podcast. So we're on podcast 49. Um, and so I've been basically doing this for a year. So podcast 50 is next week, which seems pretty crazy. Uh, and over the course of the next year, what I'm going to be doing is, is I'm going to be taking all of the concepts that I teach and putting it within the proofing box methodology to show you how this stuff works so that it can work in your own business. All right. It's an amazing way to look at business and business transformation and, and how you go about building the business that the universe is calling you to build, how you go about working with yourself, working with your employees and working with your customers, because those are, of course, all part of you building the business that you were meant to build. Right. And so I'm super, super excited to to like dive straight on into how to do this and, and how to and like live the transformation myself and really lead everybody through this transformation. I have so many plans, so many things are going to be getting announced and it's going to be, um, it's going to be so super amazing. So the first thing that I want to say is, is that we record this podcast on the Proofing Box Facebook page. So if you are not a part of the Proofing Box Facebook page, come join us on the Proofing Box Facebook page because that's where we post like all of the first kind of stuff. Uh, all right, you get to hear you get to hear about everything. So I'm doing a couple of webinars next week. I'm doing I'm doing one webinar on pig parasitology, <laughs> and believe me, I'm putting pig parasitology in the proofing box methodology. Okay, and then I'm also doing a webinar uh, on. Um, I'm doing a webinar on the proving dots, like the proving box methodology and problem solving using the proving box methodology. That webinar will be simulcast to the proving box page. Uh, and so you can come register for the webinar. If you register for the webinar, there will be goodies associated with that. If you watch it on the proving box page, that's totally fine. Um, and then we'll, then we can just discuss, you know, all the discussion goes on on the proving box page. So come join us over there. All right. And so that is, is, I think all of the announcements at the top of um, at the top of the hour. And as I'm recording this podcast, I will tell you I have been away, like I said, away from home for uh, more than a week now. And my kids are listening because I have a kiddo homesick from school. And being my whole self at work means acknowledging that I am in fact a working mom. And so I want to give a shout out to my little Benjamin and say, Benjamin, I love you. And I'm sorry you're feeling sick and mommy's coming home on Saturday. So, all right. I can't think about that too much right now because I'll cry. <laughs> all right. So today we are covering food safety, um, food safety behaviors. All right. Now these food safety behaviors, um, are all going to go in the in in our proving box methodology where we talk about people, product, and process. And one of the things that I have come to realize this week is that we are all in such a continuum of how we show up to ourselves and how we show up to our businesses. And I realized today that the stuff that I talk about, you know, like when I'm when I'm working with people as they're scaling their businesses, I work with people who are at the startup phase where they're scaling from cooking to manufacturing. Okay. And what I realized, I think last night or this morning is, is that when we look at people, product and process in the proofing box, when we, 
when, when a food, when somebody starts a food business, it's very focused on themselves and what their vision is to bring out into the world. Okay. And that's cooking and that's totally amazing. Okay. And it's, it's looking at the world from, okay, how do I perfect this? How do I show up to doing my own business and that sort of thing? That's all, it's all pretty focused on the founder. It's very founder focused and it's very um, ad hoc and, and getting the product right focus. Okay. And then you move into um, much more of a, a, a manufacturing focus that's focused on manufacturing the product. And you become very product focused. Do we have the right number of products out there? Are they hitting our target market? Um, what's brand development? And how are we looking at our branding? Okay. And, and how does our product lineup fit within that branding? Okay. So what is the what is the identity of the business that we are building and how do our products fit into it? Well, what I realized, and I was actually talking with my brother, Charlie, if you remember from um, doing the, the lean processing podcast that we did um, back uh, at the beginning of the, probably the beginning of the summer. What I recognized is that then there is another transformation that happens and it's a transformation from focusing on the product to focusing on the process. And this is what happens when you adopt an ISO system or Lean Six Sigma, okay? And when you do that and you focus on the process, you can find so many efficiencies. But it's a journey, okay? It's a journey from you know, looking at yourself to looking at your product to looking at your process. And when you can do that, that and, and, and focus on your process, that's when you're able to show up to the everydayness of what you are doing, okay? And that's true in your own life as well. You know, one of the things that I'm super focused on um, is my time protocols, okay? And how do I budget my time and what do I do with my time? And so my, my time protocols are evolving in the same fashion. So a lot of it started with focusing on myself and how do I even think about time? And then it focuses, and, right, and this is kind of where I am right now, is, is it's focused on really doing the product of having, you know, getting the results of organized time. Okay, that's the product I'm trying to create is organized time. And then it's gonna go to, and I already see it transforming to the process of organizing my time and really showing up to the process. And I keep rejiggering my process to get one that works and I think I'm finding one that works and I'm super excited about it. So when we do, I think we do time in like April. <laughs> and so I will probably be bringing this to the power group in April. So of course, join the power group, get all of this stuff on a weekly basis, like coaching with me, you know the deal, um, book a call <laughs> because not everybody gets to come into the power group. Um, and if you wanna take, all of these conversations deeper, that's where we do it. That's where we work on growing and scaling our business and going from very founder-centric to very product-centric to very process-centric. So when we talk about the food safety behaviors, what I want you to, the first question, and we're gonna, we're gonna really focus on this, is what is the product? What is the result 
that you are looking for, okay? Because I promise your customers pay for the results of your food safety behaviors. They don't pay, <laughs> okay, for your trying to do food safety behaviors, all right? And, that, and, and if you're a team member, your employer pays for the results of food safety behaviors. They don't pay you to try and wash your hands. They pay you to have actual clean hands. Okay, and so the question is, as you start looking at yourself, do you show up to the behaviors no matter what? Even when you don't feel like it, even when you're like pressed for time and you have to walk into the facility, do you, you know, like if you have a, a Lafferty system that you're supposed to walk through um, and you're supposed to wash your hands and you're supposed to gown and glove or whatever it is that you're supposed to do, do you do it every single solitary time? Every single solitary time. Does everybody do it? Do the mechanics do it? Do, like, does everybody show up no matter what? Okay, because the product that we are going after is a safe product that conforms. It's your minimum viable product. It's a safe product, okay? You're not going after trying to conform. You're going after a conforming product. And so if you think about it, that's the actual product of your behaviors, all right? And there are industry standards around these behaviors. There are industry standards that help mitigate the risk of physical, chemical, and microbial hazards. Okay, so what are physical, chemical, and microbial hazards? Physical hazards are things that you can, that, that will cut your mouth. They're foreign material that just doesn't belong in the food. There are things that will break your teeth. Occasionally, it's something that will cause a choking hazard, but not all the time, all right? And so we have these industry standardized behaviors around mitigating the risk of physical hazards, like doing operation sanitation. So in our preventive controls class um, that I recorded yesterday, I'm, I talked about preventive maintenance and productive maintenance, okay, and operational sanitation. If you don't pick up the garbage while you're in production, it's not if you will get a foreign material um, inclusion in your in your product it's when okay I have been in pro I was I've been in, uh, in in food facilities where they have um, like they bring in packaging and stuff like that and the packaging is all held together by clear plastic for the love of God people do not bring clear plastic onto your manufacturing floor because if it falls into your food you're never gonna see it and I promise it doesn't get picked up on x-ray it doesn't get picked up on metal detection uh, all right <laughs> Don't bring clear plastic onto the production floor, folks. And if you do bring clear plastic onto the production floor, you need to have somebody assigned to making sure all that clear plastic ends up in um, the waste bin and that waste bin is removed immediately after you're done using the clear plastic. It's really that simple. And that complicated though, right? Really, it's easier to find a different color of plastic. All right, so that's an example of, of physical hazards. Chemical hazards, you know, the one that we always talk about is allergens and allergen control. There are best practices, there are industry standardized practices around allergen control, like running your allergens last, okay? Even when it's inconvenient to do so, run your allergens last. Never store your allergens above non-allergenic ingredients because shit happens. The dry milk spills, the eggs spill, like, and then all of a sudden you've got allergen contamination all over your warehouse, right? So maybe store your allergens below everything else. That is an industry standardized behavior. If you are not doing that, the question is why? Why are you not showing up to that no matter what? Where is... 
where is the argument for short-term ease and, and, and a commitment to having things be easy winning out over um, your commitment, your long-term commitment to showing up to good manufacturing practices because allergen cross-contamination is actually illegal, <laughs> okay? All right, so that's an example in chemical hazards. And then, of course, there's microbial hazards. There are a ton of behaviors associated with mitigating the risk of microbial hazards. The biggest one is wash your hands, okay? I promise I have an entire business built around the idea of don't eat the poop. And the primary way we don't eat the poop is by washing our hands, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and... The question is, is are people in your facility washing their hands the right way every single solitary time they go out onto the production floor or after they eat or drink or smoke or use the toileting facilities, okay? That is in every, I've been doing this work for a very long time now, every single facility I have ever been in and I go into multiple facilities a month, there is improvement needed in hand washing, okay? You could, in fact, take the tact that you're going to focus on hand washing because how you show up to one thing is how you show up to everything. And if everybody is washing their hands perfectly, I guarantee you they are looking for other things because if they are washing their hands perfectly, then they understand why we do all the other behaviors, and it's to make our customers safe. It's to make a conforming product, all right? And so once you recognize and accept and manage your own mind around actually showing up to that conforming product and knowing what the behaviors are. So I just went through a whole example of, of, of behaviors, and I'm sure you can think of others. So if the product that you're trying to create is a conforming product that's safe for your consumers, there's all of these behaviors. Those behaviors themselves are also a product. Clean hands are a product of your facility, if you think about it, right? And then the question is, is what's the process? What's the process for making sure that you are creating your minimum viable product? Well, that's, you know, a huge conversation. But then let's just take hand washing. What is the process for making sure that everybody washes their hands the right way every single time they do it? Well, you would start with what's your standard operating procedure? Do you have an SOP that tells people how to do it. Have you trained to that SOP? Have you observed on those on that SOP? Do you go into the bathroom and watch people? Okay, there was some, I was at a meeting, I don't know, five or six years ago, I think it was an SQF meeting, and um, somebody was talking about their graduate school project, and this is like the most graduate school project ever, is where they went in and they timed people as they were washing their hands. And they actually had somebody stand in the bathroom Okay, and you would think if you were being observed in a food facility washing your hands, you would do it perfectly. And the truth of the matter is, is that with the actual employees and not the temporary employees, this was a facility that ran about 50% temps. The actual employees washed their hands correctly in the neighborhood of like 60% of the time, and the temps washed their hands correctly in the neighborhood of 30% of the time. 
All right, so let's just let that sink in for a moment, okay? Then they instituted, and that's while, while somebody was watching them. And then they instituted training, okay, about why it's important to wash your hands, how you wash your hands, what, you know, what washing hands looks like. And they um, increased the hand washing rate to do it correctly in the temporary uh, folks to about 60% of the time and in the actual employees about 80% of the time. That, my friends, is pathetic. And um, as we say, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And if people are not doing this perfectly, you have to ask yourself why, okay? And you have to keep working at it. You're not gonna, so, okay, so you got it to 80%, excellent. Now let's work on getting it to 100%. And I think that people think that once they institute SOPs, that's the end. It's the beginning. Because then guess what? The whole cycle starts over again. The whole cycle where you ask yourself, how are we showing up to this? Okay. And what I want to do is I want to work, walk you through a stride model. And, and I think we can use hand washing as an example, as a behavior. Okay. Clean hands as a product and hand washing as the process and people who have to execute that. And the question then becomes, why are my people not washing their hands adequately? All right. And so they're not washing their hands adequately. So are they safe? All right. So STRIVE is, of course, an acronym. And the S in STRIVE stands for safe. So my first question to you is, are they physically safe to wash their hands adequately? I think in most cases, the answer is yes. I have seen this answer be no in field operations where um, the hand washing facilities are frankly not all that adequate um, for physical safety. Like people are standing in the hot sun or God forbid they're standing in a, um, in a plastic portage on that all the, I mean, it's like standing in a freaking sauna. Nobody's going to stand there and wash their hands. Okay. So, However, I think for most people, they are physically safe to wash their hands. Are they financially safe to wash their hands? So if you pay by the piece, people are not financially safe to wash their hands because instead of doing piecework, they are standing there washing their hands and they're making no money from it, right? Because if you pay by the piece or by the pound or whatever, all the time you spend washing your hands is time you don't spend picking and packing, okay? And that sets up a really perverse sense, um, sense of behaviors. There are ways around it, and we can totally talk about that, but it sets up a really perverse set of behaviors. The next question is, is are they emotionally safe to be washing their hands? Do you have a culture where people get made fun of for following the rules? Everybody has been in those middle school kinds of cultures. Everybody has been in a place where they think that it's lame to follow the rules. Are there people who bully? Um, are there people who, um, who are like invested in, in self-aggrandizement by how they flout the rules? You only know that by listening to people, by observing them, okay? So that's all, those, those are all our three categories of safe. And the next one is trained. Are people actually trained how to wash their hands? Believe it or not, when I was in junior surgery in vet school, we had an entire day on the theory and practice of washing hands as a laboratory. It took us three hours, okay? And everybody's hands were like a complete wreck because we all had to wash them like four different times. Okay, so have you actually adequately trained people to wash hands? The CDC has some very 
very good videos. I know it sounds super dorky, but whatever. We're I'll let your freak flag fly, people. Don't eat the poop and teach people how to wash their hands. So are people actually trained to wash their hands? All right, next one is respect. Uh, there are two kinds of respect at work. There's owed respect, which is the respect that you have by virtue of where you are in the hierarchy. And then there is earned respect. So do people feel like they have enough respect at work to make it important to them to wash their hands? I very much think that this is a yes. This is, you know, hand washing is, is, is kind of one of those low-hanging fruits of food safety behaviors. There is probably the respect to show up to this work for everybody in the facility. Um, and then one of the questions then is, do people have respect for themselves to show up to the process or are they self-important and they feel like it doesn't apply to them? All right, do you have executives who don't care whether or not they wash their hands adequately? Do you have maintenance folks who say, I'm so important, I don't have to wash my hands adequately, I don't have to don and doff to go into the production room? Because that I've certainly seen. Okay, and what that actually indicates is a lack of earned respect for the hierarchy and a lack of owed respect for the hierarchy. Because the hierarchy itself needs to show up to the behaviors and manage their own selves so that they show up to the behaviors no matter what. So believe it or not, when it comes to hand washing, there can be significant issues with respect in a facility. Then the next one is investment. Have you invested the time, talent, and treasure so that people can do this well? Do you actually have warm running water? So when I was in the Army, they taught us, and it, you know, observation has, has, has held this out, that people um, will not wash their hands unless they have 110 degree water or thereabouts, soap, a uh, paper towel, and a place to throw away that paper towel. Do you have all of those things? Have you invested the time, talent, and treasure to make sure all of those things are there every single time somebody needs to use a hand washing facility every single day? Okay, and have and and then that can also roll back into respect. Do you have like the respect for your workers? to create the conditions for them to wash their hands correctly, all right? And then the next one is value. Do you value this work? Do you value washing your hands correctly? I have been in places where they're like, this is bullshit. It doesn't matter because we make it not ready to eat food. All right, I work in a slaughter plant. It doesn't matter whether or not I wash my hands. The carcasses are all gonna get covered in acid anyway. Do you value it? Do you have subconscious beliefs where you value shit being easy over shit being done right. All right? Look at that within yourself and within your company culture. Do you value easy or do you value being done right? Which gets us to the final E in Strive, which is, are you able to embrace failure? Are you able to embrace discomfort in service of your dreams? Okay? Are you able to embrace discomfort when it comes to washing your hands every single solitary time? To feeling foolish because you're sitting there muttering the ABCs twice while you wash your hands. To feeling foolish because you don't always, you go into a new facility and you don't always know how to put on the PPE correctly. And when to wash your hands when you put, in the, when you put on the PPE. Are you willing to fail and know that failure is an option and be uncomfortable in your failure? so that you can do this all of the time. Because here's what happens, folks. First you do the behaviors, and then you have the beliefs, and then you have the transformation.
Okay. That's how it works. That you, you know, like I am building a multi-million dollar business. I have to act as a multi-million dollar business first. I build my beliefs and then I will have the transformation. And I don't care if you're talking about bringing your charcuterie to the world, getting an SQF audit, or simply washing your hands. Behavior, belief, transformation. So that's what we have for the podcast today. Thank you ever so much for joining me. I am uh, absolutely delighted that you were here. And we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.